Welcome to our podcast for College Catholics, where we discuss faith and spirituality from a Catholic perspective. I am your host, Father Patrick Wainwright, and it's great to have you with us. One of the greatest concerns of the saints was not only to remain faithful to Christ and to his teachings, but to remain faithful to the Church, to the Catholic Church, and to die as a member of that same Church. This is why after a life of so much prayer, so much sacrifice and good works for the glory of God, St. Teresa of Avila, when she was at the point of dying, she said those words, At last I die a daughter of the Church. Today we will look at one of the most overlooked and misunderstood truths of the Creed. I believe in the Catholic Church. Or as we say in the Nicene Creed on Sundays, I believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I have heard many times that people believe in Jesus, but they don't believe in the church. Or that they love Jesus, but they reject any kind of organized religion. As if Jesus were legit, but any organized religion or any human structure were fruit of a man's invention. As if the church were created by human beings exclusively. Now there is some truth to that last statement. Many churches have been created indeed by men. Many religions have been the fruit of man's ideas, sometimes mixed up with the truths either taken from philosophy or taken from God's revelation through Jesus Christ. So in that sense, yes, there are many religions, churches, or religious organizations that were made by men. And therefore, faith in Jesus Christ does not require us to believe in those religions. However, Jesus Christ did establish a church, his church. Jesus Christ is the founder of his church, the one true church. And we know with supernatural faith that there is such a church in the world, and that is the Catholic Church. That is the Church of Christ, spoke about when addressing St. Peter in Caesarea Philippi. Jesus said to Simon, who Jesus later would call Kepa in Aramaic, which means rock, in Greek, Kephas, in English we say Peter, he said, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my heavenly Father. And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. And the gates of the netherworld shall not prevail against it. So up to there, the words of Jesus Christ in the Gospel of St. Matthew, chapter 16. So just as a footnote to that uh, translation, when we read, And so I say to you, you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, his name was Simon, not Peter. But Jesus gave him that name, Peter, 
which means rock. So it would be like saying, Simon, you are rock, and upon this rock, I will build my church. So there is no question that Jesus established a church on a foundation of rock, and that rock is Simon, the son of Jonah, that is, St. Peter. Now, what is most important of this text is that our Lord said, Upon this rock I will build my church, which means that our Lord Jesus Christ clearly intended to establish a church, one church, and that church would never be defeated by the powers of hell or the netherworld. And therefore, we can conclude that it will last throughout all history. The church that Christ established and founded on St. Peter would, would last, has to last, throughout all history if the words of Jesus are to be understood correctly. And that church that Christ established from the apostles and St. Peter continued in their successors, the bishops and the bishop of Rome, the pope, all throughout history. And that church, which existed uninterruptedly throughout history, that church today is the Catholic Church. So there is no question then that faith in Jesus and faith in the Catholic Church are one and the same thing. Because our Lord Jesus Christ himself established the church. He established the church on St. Peter and the Apostles to be to be a divine and human institution, vivified, so to speak, by the Holy Spirit, with a particular structure, with a particular organized hierarchy, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ in the world, the mission that is to bring eternal salvation to all men. So we see that the Holy Spirit vivifies the church, when during the Feast of Pentecost, he came visibly on the apostles. We read that in Acts chapter 2. But also when our Lord said to the apostles toward the end of his life, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. We also see that the church has a structure and a hierarchy already in the New Testament writings. In the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter 6, verse 12, we read, In those days Jesus departed to the mountain to pray. He spent the night in prayer. When day came, he called the disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve, whom he also named apostles. Simon, whom he named Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Marth Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So not only do we read about the hierarchy and structure of the church in the Gospels and the, in the Acts of the Apostles, but we also read about it in the letters of St. Paul, which are among the earliest New Testament writings. He speaks about bishops, priests or presbyters, 
and of deacons, both in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 3, and in his letter to Titus, chapter 1. So that clearly indicates that there was a structure, a hierarchy, an order, an authority, an organized structure within the church, right from the time of the apostles. And that hierarchy is a hierarchy that we still have today with bishops, priests, and deacons. We even see it in Acts chapter 15, that there was a council or gathering of the bishops and presbyters in Jerusalem to decide matters that affected people in other towns regarding how they were to practice their faith. There we read, Acts 15.6, that the apostles and the presbyters met together to see about this matter. So, this is why it really does not make sense to say, I believe in Jesus, but not in any organized religion. Or that I believe in Jesus, but not in the church. Now, I understand that there are many difficulties to believe in the church. But even if, there were, if we were presented with a thousand difficulties, that should not lead to a lack of faith in the church. Of course, there is sin in the church, as we see in the description of the apostles themselves when we read that Judas Iscariot was to become the traitor, Luke 6, chapter 6, sorry, Luke 6, chapter 6, verse 16. But those men were still chosen by Christ. And on those weak and many times sinful men, he, Christ, established his church. But we will talk about this more in our next episode when we speak about the church being holy. Now, finally, we said that our Lord established the church to continue the mission of Christ in the world. And that mission is to bring eternal salvation to all men. And this we can see in the words he addressed to the apostles toward the end of his life, in Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. I quote, Then Jesus approached and said to them, All power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Up to there, the quote from the Gospel. And it is very important to understand and drive it home that the main mission of the Catholic Church is to bring salvation to all men. We are continuing, the Church is continuing, the mission of Jesus Christ. Of course, there are many other things that the Church can do and has done throughout the centuries to help society, like helping the sick, giving shelter to the homeless, providing food and clothing to the poor, working in so many ways to make the lives of men on earth better lives. But above all, her goal is to preach the gospel, to provide the life-giving fountains of the seven sacraments through which we can know the truth and obtain the necessary graces to be saved. So in a word, the ultimate mission of the Catholic Church is to bring salvation to all men, to help us get to heaven. So, to summarize a little bit, up to now we explained that, first of all, Jesus did establish a church, one church. 
we also said how that church is therefore of divine institution, meaning that God himself established it, making it holy, divine, and a conduit of divine graces. We also said that the church is vivified by the Holy Spirit, that Jesus himself created it with some sort of visible structure or hierarchy, and that the church has the same mission of Christ, which is to extend the salvation of God to all men. So moving on a little bit on the description of the church, let us look at some of the names that are used in the scriptures to speak about the church. First of all, it is called an assembly, a gathering of people. Ecclesia, we say in Latin, and which we translate as church. It is also called the holy temple of God, the new people of God, foreshadowed by the people of Israel, which was the old people of God. It is, God's, it is also called God's flock, of which Christ is the one true shepherd. It is called the spouse or bride of Christ, born symbolically from the open sight of Christ on the cross. It is symbolized by the boat of Peter, sometimes also called the bark of Peter. And it is called also the mystical body of Christ, an expression that St. Paul uses and describes quite in detail in some of his letters. So, what is the church? To summarize all these ideas, we spoke about some of the principles within the church, some of the elements we can see in the church, the names of the church, but what is the church? So, of course, it's not easy to define a reality that has its origin in God, and therefore, in a sense, is a mystery. So just as in the Old Testament, God chose and built a people to indicate his presence in the world and to give the law to the world, so too in the New Testament, after the redemption of man, the death of Christ on the cross, God established a new people that would receive and maintain all the means of salvation that God has given to the world through Jesus Christ. So the church, we could define it as a spiritual, divine, and human institution established by Jesus Christ, who is God, which has a divine component, which is the Holy Spirit, and a human component, which are all the baptized people. It was established on the apostles, and therefore it has a hierarchy or interior structure and organization given by God. It has a God-given mission that is to extend the salvation won by Christ on the cross to all men throughout history. In that sense, it is the one institution established by God himself to be the means of salvation to all men. The Catholic Church is then like a conduit, the channel that brings to each one of us and to you the means of salvation that Christ won for us all on the cross. Those means, among others, mainly are the revealed truth, which we know through the sacred scriptures and tradition, and the seven sacraments, which give us sanctifying grace. This church is so much an extension of Christ 
that the New Testament describes it as the body of Christ or the mystical body of Christ. As St. Paul writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For by one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one Spirit. Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. Unquote. Up to there, St. Paul. So explaining these words, St. Augustine says that there's the entire Christ formed by the head and the body. The head is Jesus Christ, and we, all the baptized, are his members, members of his body, the mystical body of Christ, head and body. So there is a great encyclical written by Pope Pius XII called Mystici Corporis, or in English, the mystical body, which is the mystical body of Christ, which I encourage you, if you can, to read. I will leave a link below in the show notes. So, so great is this reality of the church, so important to be a part of it in order to be saved, that many saints gave everything they had and even their lives to remain in the church as members of the church and to be faithful to Christ. A great example of this is the life of St. Edmund Campion. He was born in England on January 1540 and died a martyr on December 1581. He was raised as an Anglican, and he had a great promising future in England. He was even acquainted with Queen Elizabeth and had a possible future in the court. Some said he could even be married to the Queen. However, little by little, through his studies, he realized that the true Church of Christ was the Catholic Church and that he had to be a part of that church if he wanted to be faithful to Christ. But to do so, he had to abandon everything he had in society, all his friends, his possessions probably, his promising future in the court of England, and still he became a Catholic and eventually felt called to be a priest and a missionary. He left England for his formation and for his ordination to the priesthood, and joined the Society of Jesus. Later, as a priest, he wanted to serve the many Catholics who were persecuted in England, and therefore asked to be sent back to England, where he too was persecuted, hunted down, and eventually betrayed by someone who pretended to be a, a disciple, let's say, and he was captured. He was condemned to die, because of treason against the queen, and eventually executed. This execution was to be hanged, drawn, and quartered. And this was done on December 1st, 1581. May Saint Edmund Campion and so many other saints who sacrificed so much to remain faithful to the Catholic Church intercede for us that God may grant us to be always faithful to the church, and that we may love her as true children. In our next episode, I will be talking about the four notes 
or four main characteristics of the church. That is, that the true church of Christ must be one, holy, Catholic, and apostolic. So, we will see you next week. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions about this episode or any other episode, don't hesitate to send me an email at info at fourcollegecatholics.org. I would love to hear from you, and if you can, leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts and in Spotify, so that others may be encouraged to listen as well. May God bless you, and we will see you next time.